So we've been doing this series for four weeks now. So we're gonna finish this up today. So we've been in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And it says this, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And so I've spent a lot of time talking about for the last four weeks about everything from here up. And so we've talked about who are his people and what does it mean to humble ourselves and how do we pray humbly and how do we turn from wicked ways and how do we seek his face? We've talked about those things, but today I really want to talk for a few minutes about how does God heal our land? Because if you remember when we started talking about this uh, passage of scripture and we started this series and said, here's what we need in our land right now, our, our, our country, we need to be healed because there are deep divisions. Uh, and, and, and I use the words like hatred uh, because the people who ordinarily get along with one another, like, look, I want to just shut you down. Uh, because you don't agree with me, I'm going to tell you that you're wrong and I'm going to shut you up because I don't want to hear it anymore. And uh, that we were uh, marginalizing people, isolating people. It was beyond just calling people names. It was like, look, I just do not like you at all. And I don't know that that's gotten any better in the last few weeks. And uh, in our country, I, I don't know that there has been, that all that has started uh, heading in our direction yet. Um, but God says, if we'll do these things, that he will heal our land. And so we said, hey, let's see what God wants us to do because it's not, and I said this the first week talking about this, I said, it's not so much the people who live outside of God's will, the people who don't know God, but really it's the people who are in church, Christ followers. Because people who don't know Christ, it makes sense that they're gonna get angry with one another. But when Christ follower is mad at Christ follower and trying to hurt them and yell at them, something's wrong. And I said, and I'm not talking about just at South Coast, it's in the church in general, the big C church, that, that's what's going on, that there is this division that should not be there. And so that, that's how we, why we started looking at, and I've and I talked about this a lot, uh, is that, you know, when, when God does something and, I, 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 can't, I, I can't find any historical evidence. I can't find anything in the Bible that says that when God does something, when he brings healing to a situation, healing to uh, uh, a hurt, to a community, to a land, to a country, that he takes his magic wand and stardust comes out of it and shh, it's all rainbows and unicorns all of a sudden. And truthful, truthfully, if I started seeing rainbows and unicorns, I would run because they weird me out. But regardless, that's not how God works. There, there's no evidence of that in, in Scripture. Um, it, it, it turns out that when, when God does something, he starts with his people. Over and over again, he, he, he starts with his people. And even when God heals a country, his people get involved first. And I could give you example after example after example of this in historical uh, terms. But I, I'll tell you, you know, real quickly, uh, some of you are vaguely familiar with communism. Some of you have no idea what communism is most likely, but one of the central tenets of communism is that they don't want you to be dependent on God. So that's why so many times in, in communist countries, churches and Christianity is outlawed. And what they want you to do is be dependent on the government to take care of you rather than being dependent on God to take care of you. And so, uh, and there are a number of countries that have tried communism and there are still communist countries all around the world. And one of the things that happens in uh, a communist country, Romania was one of the most hardcore communist countries in the world. And there were, there were illegal 
underground churches that met there. And so the people there that were Christ followers were not called Christ followers. They were called repenters because what they had done is they said, I'm going to repent from my sin. And so that was a label that was hung on them. And they were called repenters by people who didn't know them. They weren't called Christians. They weren't called Christ followers. They were called repenters. And so in the middle of all that was going on, there was a a pastor in the middle of Romania who started saying, the repenters, we need to repent. We need to repent. We need to, we need to see God move in our lives. And, and this began to happen in the late 1980s and the early 1990s, which is ancient history for most of y'all. But what happened, this communist country crashed to the ground because God's people humbled themselves, repented of their sin prayed, sought God's face, turned from their wicked ways, repented, and God brought healing there and completely changed the country. And I could, I could show you historical example after another, after another, after another, but we want to see things change. God always starts with his people. He starts with us in our families, in our relationships, in our marriages, in, in our country, in our schools, in our community, in our church. He always starts with us. Now, if we're talking about God healing the land, well, let's ask the question, well, how does God typically heal the land? How does, how does God do that? Well, uh, let's look at this. I'm gonna show you this from Genesis chapter 12 because I, I think this sets the precedent for how God does this. And I'll show you all through the Bible about how God does this. So uh, this is a guy named Abram. Later on, his name is changed to Abraham. And this is what we refer to, the, there's this, this the Abrahamic covenant. And God is a covenant God. I talk about this all the time. I feel like I say this almost every week. But God is is a covenant God. And so he says, I will do for you. Not I will do for you if you will do for me, but I will do for you. And we're going to talk about covenant a lot in a couple weeks. But God is a covenant God. And so he lives in covenant with us. We live in covenant with him. Uh, And we live in covenant with one another. We don't live in contracts with one another. Contracts, I will do for you if you will do for me. But we live in covenant with one another. And so there's this covenant, and this is what God says to Abram. He says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And this is a lot. I mean, he says, I want you to take your, uh, he didn't have any children yet, but I want you to take your wife and all your stuff. I want you to pack up and I want you to go. Now, if I'm Abram, I'm going, God, where do you want me to go? Where are we going? How far are we going to go? How much food do I need to take? How many provisions? And he didn't, God didn't do any of that. He says, look, you're over here in this known thing. I want you to step into the unknown. You know, you're stuck. I want you to be unstuck. You're, you're comfortable. I want you to be uncomfortable. And Abram, he could have said no. But he says, okay, yes, I'll do that. I will go, God, where you want me to go, wherever this land is that you're going to show me. And he didn't know where it is. And he says, and I will, if you'll do this, he says, I will make you a great nation. I've got an opportunity for you. If you don't do it, I'm not going to punish you, but I got something for you. Do you want it? He says, I'll make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. He says, not only are you going to have a place to live, I'm going to turn you into a nation. Now, Abram's like, what in the world are you talking about? And, and, I'm, and everybody's going to know who you are. And he says, I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And he says, look, Abram, he didn't have children yet. He said, you're going to have children. And your children's 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 children, there's going to be a ton of them. 
And what's going to happen? These people are going to become a nation, and they're going to be a nation that is so incredible and so powerful because of my blessing will be on them that they're going to change the world. And eventually his children become the Israelites. They do become a nation. What God said was going to happen, happens. Remember, he says, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so it all starts with Abraham walking into this covenant relationship with God. And, and God's people used to be known as Israelites. And, and today, God's people are known as Christ followers. And so there's this thing that's going on and you say, well, how, how, how did this happen? And what's the responsibility? And how does God use us to heal his land? What does he tell Abram? He says, I'm going to bless you. Now that's a word we use all the time, right? Somebody, hey, ask somebody, hey, how you doing? I'm too blessed to be stressed. You're lying. You're saying that because you're stressed. <laughs> It would stress me out just to say that, right? Or how you doing? Well, I'm blessed, brother. I'm blessed. Hashtag blessed. Uh, I'm, I am so blessed. How are things going? Well, you know, I'm just counting my blessings. And we, and we use this word. If somebody sneezes, well, bless you, right? We, what does that mean? What does that mean? Well, it's the Hebrew word barak, and it means to kneel. So this is what God says. I will bless you. And what does that mean? It means that God does not lord it over us, try and dominate us, but God says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to come closer to you and I'm assume a non-threatening position and I'm going to kneel before you. Not in a threatening way, but because I want to bless you. I want to do something for you. I want to be with you. I want to give you access to my presence. I want you to know me. I want to know you. I want to bless you. So I kneel before you to make myself not threatening, but in a place where I can bless you, right? So blessed people, bless people. You say, Arthur, I thought there was going to be something really, some big secret thing we were going to unpack from some little book in the Bible about how God's going to heal our land. No, this is easy. You probably knew that already. Some of you, this is so, so rudimentary, you've heard this since you were little. Some of you used to sing a song about Abraham. Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. If you know that song, you're old. like real old. Some of you are going to think that's fun and you're going to teach it to your children this afternoon. Stop it. Don't, no, 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 no. Mm -mm. Don't do that. Don't do that. Right? And he went to this thing called Sunday school and we weren't really sure what that ever was, but you know, that's why we have recovery, right? So here's what happens. God does for the Israelites they do for the world. That's the plan. God says, look, I'm gonna bless you and you turn around and bless the world. Now, sometimes they did that. Sometimes they didn't. And, I, I, and in God's plan, he said, I got more blessing for you. And I'm gonna expand it just beyond the Israelites. I'm gonna expand, I'm gonna expand it to everybody's got a relationship with Jesus because I'm sending Jesus and Jesus is the ultimate act of God blessing us. He says, I'm giving you my very best. I'm kneeling so that you don't feel threatened by me. And I'm sending you my son. 
I'm giving you the very best, the ultimate blessing. And you find blessing language throughout the Bible, right? Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 5. It says, you, talking about us, Christ followers, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. What's that? Blessing. We're the light of the world. Not because of us, but because of what he did in us. He has blessed us, right? He says, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. So when I bless you, you've got the opportunity to bless others, bless people, bless people, bless people. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others. Don't hang on to it. Another bad song. (laughs) Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. Don't teach them that song either. so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Blessed people, bless people. Blessed people, bless people. Paul writes about this in Ephesians 2. He says, for we are his workmanship. Uh, he, he knit us together. He, he made us. He, the way we are, our personality, our, uh, the way we interact with people. He created us in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that because we should walk in them. God's blessed us. Let's bless other people. Blessed people, bless people. Blessed people, bless people. Now, now this, our, our struggle, I think, with this is that we tend to make our entire faith about God's personal relationship with us. But I thought that's what it was all about, that God wants a personal relationship. Yes, it is. And it is a personal relationship, and it's not somebody else's relationship. It's you and him. But here's the problem, is that sometimes all we think about is ourselves. And we don't think about other people. We don't think about the people who are struggling, who are hurting, who are having a difficult time, who really get on our last nerve. The the people that we don't like hanging out with, the people that if we could go somewhere else, we would. And it's not just about us and God. It turns out the more we grow in our faith in Jesus, the more action we take. And we begin to say, hey, no, it's not just this, this thing. It's just personal relationship. But I begin to act on my faith in God. And I begin to expand it and move into other things as I grow in this relationship with Jesus. Because our relationship with Jesus is personal, but not private. And so it's not just, and, and so it's not just about sharing our faith and inviting people to church. That's important. But that's not all that there is to it. It's also how do we interact with people on a daily basis when we're, when we're at school, when we're waiting in line, when we're talking with someone that kind of gets on our nerves, when we're talking to the customer service people, when we're trying to get somebody on the phone to come repair something. How do we interact with those people? And so, what ha, how, and I think what kind of feeds this mindset is there are a lot of churches that are consumer churches, meaning you come in and go, okay, well, that's good. Okay, so bless is from the Hebrew word barak, which means to kneel. Awesome, great. I got some information today. That's a win. I got something I didn't know. I'm heading out. And a consumer church is what can you get? And that's it. And there's no action there. There's no, I want to do something. And Southcrest, we are not a consumer church. We, we, we are not a church. Hey, let's come in here on Sunday. Let's get our information. Let's watch something online. Uh, let's, you know, let's check out Mosaic. Okay, I got, I got some information this week. I'm good to go. That's all I'm doing with it. We're not just taking something and saying, I'm done, but we're taking something and saying, okay, what do I do now? 
Where do I go with this? How, how do I build something into this? Uh, we're not a consumer people. We're not a consumer church. We're a church who says, no, we want to make a difference in our community. Again, he says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. So do we want God to hear us? Absolutely we want God to hear us. Do we want God to forgive us? Yes. Do we want God to heal our land? I do. Do you know what that means? We've all got to get to work. It's not just wait for God to wave his magic wand. And that's why I've been talking for the last couple of weeks about we can't just talk about revival. We can't just pray for revival. We have to walk in revival. We have to remember moment by moment, day by day, that we were dead, but we are alive in Christ, that he revived us, that he brought us out, and we walk in that, and we live in that. And it, it's this whole idea of grace-driven effort, this idea that because of what he has done for me, it overwhelms me, and there's a part of me that says, I want to do something. He loves me so much, I want to show him that I love him. I don't have to, but I want to. Uh, I, it's not that I'm being required to do it, but I get to do this. It's not uh, a reaction, it's a response. Because it turns out we are God's primary strategy. There, there's, there, there's, this is the way it works, right? That blessed people bless people. And it turns out that God blesses people. God heals our land through us. We're the ones. It starts with us. We, we can't pray for our land to be healed and then do nothing. That's not going to work. Here's what James says in James chapter 2. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So if you want to see your community changed, your family changed, the, if, I'm so tired of people yelling at me. I, I don't like it. I mean, I'm just, I'm just being as transparent as I know. I don't like people yelling at me. I don't know anybody that does. I also don't like being told that I, I can't live my life according to the Bible. And I'm not talking about the world. I'm talking about people in churches. And do we want to see revival in our, in our community? Do we want to see healing in our land? Do we want to see families transformed? What's it worth to you? Because the healing comes through God's people, not politicians or government or agencies or organizations or anything like that. And it doesn't, it doesn't happen that way. It starts with us. We, we do not need more people shouting at one another. That is not the solution. The higher volume solution almost never works. We, we don't need more passive Christ followers saying, mm, you know, somebody ought to do something about that. Somebody ought to do that. That's, that's awful. I can't believe that happened. Somebody ought to do something about that. We, we don't need more passive Christ followers. We, we need to, to bless the world. I mean, if not us, who's going to carry Jesus to the world? Blessed people, blessed people. Blessed people, blessed people. So how do we add some action to our faith? Instead of just saying, yeah, that's good information. I got it. Now what am I going to do with it? How, how do we begin to practice what we're preaching And this week, I have been praying that as I got to this point in what I'm talking about today, that God would speak to you. 
And I don't know that God speaks in an audible voice. I mean, I don't know where he sounds, if he sounds like that, the drive-through at Wendy's. What'd you like? I don't think so. But as I'm talking, that maybe a name will come to you. Like, well, where'd that come from? Maybe the Lord. Maybe a few names will come to you. Because bless people, bless people. So who can you serve today? I mean, today, before you go to bed tonight, who can you serve today? I'm pausing on purpose. Who can you serve today? Who can you bless this week? Who can you go toward? And you can kneel in their direction. Who is that? I think if I were to ask you to take out a piece of paper and write down the name of your neighbor who lives on this side, the neighbor, name of your neighbor on this side, and the name of the neighbor who lives across the street, turn it in for a grade, I think some of us would be pretty embarrassed to turn that in. Maybe this week, you know, you got a guy in your neighborhood who's got that sign in his yard. And you know what that sign in his yard stands for? And you don't like that? And you don't like him because he's got that sign in his yard and it runs contrary to what you believe and what you think? Maybe this week you could go choose to kneel in his direction this week. Maybe he's the one that you could serve this week. Or, or, you know, or maybe it's not that complicated. Maybe you get some guy who's, you know, always leaves his trash can out in the street for an extra eight minutes that gets on your nerves because he's not playing by the rules according to the HOA. You, maybe you could bless him, right? But look, if, if we took God seriously about this, if we took God seriously about this, what would happen? Well, I like this passage from Exodus 19. It says, now therefore, listen up, pay attention, look here. It's important. Lean in with me. If you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. If we took God seriously with this, you know what we'd be? We would be a kingdom of pastors. I'm not talking about vocationally. I'm not talking about for a living. We'd be a kingdom of ministers, ministering to people, pastoring people, taking care of people, blessing people, because blessed people bless people. I think that's the idea. I think it's not that South Chris shows up and hey, here we are on Sunday and we're doing our thing and we go out of here and we go do the rest of our things. But no, we're a whole bunch, a kingdom of pastors, a kingdom of ministers saying, I want to bless you because I've been blessed. I want to come towards you in a non-threatening way. And so if we do all these other things, and we come to people in a non-threatening way, what could happen? How, how could our community be transformed? What, what, what if we were to do that? 
if we say, I'm blessed, and so I'm going to bless other people. I'm taking seriously what Jesus said to do. Because that's what he did with his disciples. He taught them, he said, look, you're, you're blessed. And there were just 12 of them. And look what happened all over the world. He started with 12. What could we do? There's more than 12 here. What if we would choose to bless people? What could happen? So I have a glow stick. And so we're going to dim the lights for just a minute. And we're doing that on purpose. So don't be nervous, please. Not that I can tell you what to do. If you're watching online, it's going to be dark for just a moment, but the lights will be back, I promise. We paid the electricity bill. So a glow stick, there's a lot of different uses that you can use it for, right? Uh, You can point at things. You can use it for a drumstick. There's a lot of different things that you can do with it. But its real purpose is not just to be a piece of plastic. Its purpose is to glow and to bring light in a dark situation. Typically, when things have gotten kind of frantic. But here's the thing about a glow stick. It doesn't begin to glow until it's been broken. And if you will choose to humble yourself and pray and seek his face and turn from wicked ways. God will not only heal our land, God will heal you. And revival is when instead of there being just one glow stick in a room like this, that the room is filled up with glow sticks that are broken and are giving off light. And so let's be those people. Let's humble ourselves and let's bless people because God has blessed us. And let's bring light to a really dark place at a really dark time. So I'm going to pray. And then after I pray, we're going to bring the lights back up and we're going to sing a song about God's promises and his faithfulness toward us. And so let's worship today as broken people, not prideful people. And let's respond back to God for what he's done for us and in us. Lord God, there are times in my life that you have broken me and I have responded with arrogance and pride and I'm sorry for that. I pray that you would forgive me. There are times that I have ignored you and not listened to you. I'm sorry. I pray that you'll forgive me. God, how can I not respond back to you with worship when I realize what you have done for me and how faithful you have been to me? Your promises are 
powerful. Your, your promises are never empty. Your promises are always fulfilled. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall on us and give us the courage to glow in a dark place at a dark time. And would you bring healing to our lives and healing to our community and healing to our country. I pray that we would bless people because you've blessed us. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.